Welcome to the online sermons at King Street Church. Feel free to listen or watch online at kingstreetchurch.com. We're located at 162 East King Street in the heart of Chambersburg, PA, and would love to see you in person at one of our five Sunday services. We certainly hope you enjoy this morning's message. Hey, remember back to your uh, school days when you were in algebra class. And uh, I remember that's over 60 years ago. And uh, there were many axioms that we needed to memorize. Remember that? And uh, I really loved algebra, and I haven't stuck with it through the years, so I probably couldn't tell you many of those axioms this morning. But there are two axioms that has nothing to do with uh, algebra, and one of them you're probably familiar with, and that is this. There is no free lunch. We might receive something free, but it costs somebody something. And another axiom is, there's a payday someday. I'm not sure, but I think it's the mattress uh, stores that began quite a number of years ago with three months of no interest, and then six months, and uh, longer, and then other uh, businesses picked up on it and no interest for 12 months. And then they went further, no payments for 12 months. And she said, wow, I can live it up in 12 months and I don't have to pay, but there comes a payday someday. There comes a day when you need to start paying and you forget about the fact that that interest has been building up and building up and building up. In the Bible, one of the uh, passages of Scripture where we see a payday someday is uh, concerning Ahab and Jezebel and Elijah. And you may take your Bibles and uh, look and read with me uh, as I read uh, 1 Kings chapter 16, beginning with verse 29. In the 38th year of Asa king of Judah, Ahab son of Omri became king of Israel, and he reigned in Samaria uh, over 20, Israel 21, 22 years. Ahab, son of Omri, did more evil in the eyes of the Lord than any of those before him. He not only considered it trivial to commit the sins of Jeroboam, son of Nebat, but he also married Jezebel, daughter of uh, Ethbal, king of the Sidonians, and began to serve Baal and worship him. He set up an altar for Baal, in the temple of Baal that he uh, built in Samaria. Ahab also made the Asherah pole and did more to provoke the Lord, the God of Israel, uh, to uh, anger uh, than all the other kings before him. Then dropping down to chapter 17, verse 1. Now Elijah, this is where Elijah comes into the story in uh, these chapters. Now Elijah the Tishbite from Tishbe in Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except by my word. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah, Leave here, turn eastward, and hide uh, in the Kareth Ravine, east of Jordan, and you will drink from the brook, and I have ordered ravens to feed you there. 
So he did what the Lord had told him. He went to Kerioth Ravine uh, in east of the Jordan and stayed there. And the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. Here is the appearance of Ahab and Jezebel. And uh, I mentioned that uh, uh, when Solomon took over as reign uh, from his father David, and Solomon passed off of the scene and died, uh, his son uh, uh, Rehoboam became king. And because of some decisions that he made, the uh, 12 tribes of Israel was, were divided into the northern kingdom of Israel, which was 10 tribes, and the southern kingdom of Judah, uh, which was two tribes. And uh, uh, the uh, northern kingdom of uh, Israel had no good kings. They were horrible, horrible, horrible. And Ahab probably was the most horrible of all of them. Down in the southern kingdom, you had some good kings and you had some bad kings. Well, Ahab and Jezebel came on the scene. Ahab was wicked. He was a wicked king. He was an evil king. Matter of fact, the scripture says he was more wicked and evil than all the other kings before him. And the one thing that made him even more wicked was the fact that he married Jezebel. Now, Jezebel was a horrible, evil individual. Matter of fact, she was so crooked, if they would have been able to bury her, they'd have had to screw her into the ground. <laughs> she was terrible uh, individual. And Ahab came on the scene. It had been three and a half years from the time that Elijah came to Ahab and told him it's not going to rain or have any dew for three and a half years. That's a long time to be without rain, even without dew. And finally, Elijah tells Ob Obadiah, tell Ahab I'm looking for him. And finally they meet. And when they meet, we begin to see eight scenes in 1 Kings through uh, 2 Kings chapter 9 that describe the wickedness of Ahab and Jezebel and the judgment that God brought upon them. And finally, Elijah and Ahab get together, and Ahab says to Elijah, Are you the one that troubleth Israel? And, a and Elijah says, No, it's not me that troubles Israel, but you, because of your wickedness and your evil, that you have brought upon them. And Jezebel had 450 prophets of Baal. And Elijah said, let's get the uh, prophets of Baal together and let's go up onto Mount, Mar uh, Mount uh, um, Carmel and let's have a contest, a contest between the prophets of Baal and Baal is a god and, and my god, the god of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And finally, they got together up on the uh, uh, mountain. And Elijah says, because there's 450 of you and only one of me, you go ahead and prepare your, uh, your, your altar first and your sacrifice. And they took 
an uh, animal and they sacrificed it. And they began to call upon fire because Elijah said, you can't put any fire on the altar. Ask your God Baal to bring fire. And one of the things that Baal was supposed to be noted for from the people was he was a god of fire. And they began to call upon Baal all morning. They called and they called. And finally at noon, Elijah began to taunt the prophets of Baal. Hey, maybe you ought to yell a little bit louder. He may be asleep. Or maybe he's going on vacation. Maybe he doesn't hear you. Cry a little bit louder. And they begin to cry louder. And they begin to take knives and spears and cut themselves. And they danced around the altar. And finally, all afternoon, there was no fire. As it came time for the evening sacrifice, Elijah prepared the old altar of God. He placed 12 stones, one for each of the 12 tribes. He put the uh, uh, sacrifice on the altar. And then he wanted to make sure that they didn't believe there was some kind of hocus-pocus or uh, some kind of uh, shenanigans going on. And he said, go and get water and pour over the sacrifice. And he had uh, put a, a ditch around the altar, and they put it on. He said, do it again. And they did it again. Three times they poured water on. It was all saturated. The ditch was all filled with water. And finally, Elijah steps back and he says, God, I come to you today to prove that you are the real God. And I'm asking you in the name of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that you would send fire upon this altar. And fire came down and ate up the sacrifice, licked up the water. And it was a proof that the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob was real. And the people began to cry out, God is the Lord, God is the Lord. And then Elijah said, take the prophets of Baal and put them to death. And the 450 prophets were put to death. Then Elijah says to his servant, God's going to send rain. I want you to go and look out across the Mediterranean Sea because Mount Carmel was along the Mediterranean Sea and come back and tell me what you see. And he came back and he said, there's nothing there. He said, go back again. And he sent him back seven times. And finally he comes back and he says, there's a small cloud out there about the size of a man's hand. And Elijah says to Ahab, Ahab, you better get in your chariot and you better ride as fast as you can because there's going to be a gully washer. God is going to send rain. And then we see another miracle. Elijah took his robe, he tied it up in his belt, and the run from Marathon to Athens in ancient Greek wasn't the first marathon. Elijah ran and actually beat the horse and chariot back to Jezreel. And then comes good old Jezebel. Jezebel comes and she sends a message to Elijah and she says, Elijah, I understand what you did to my prophets. 
And I'll tell you one thing, by this time tomorrow, in 24 hours, you're going to be like one of them. You're going to be dead. And you would think Elijah would stand up and say, oh, come on, Jezebel, I'm not as scared of you, you pipsqueak. <laughs> but you know what he did? He became afraid. And he began to run. And he ran a day's journey. And he was worn out physically and mentally and emotionally and spiritually. And he lay down under a tree and he said, God, you might as well take my life because I'm no good. An angel of the Lord came and tapped him on the shoulder and said, Elijah, get up and eat and drink. And there was some food beside him. He got up and ate and drink, drank, and then he lay down again and took another nap. And finally he got up and he took off on a journey and he went almost 300 miles, 40 days down to Mount Sinai. And he went into a cave. And in the cave he says, God... I have served you faithfully, and I am the only one in Israel who still believes in you. And Elijah, excuse me, God says to Elijah, what are you doing here, Elijah? He said, God, you might as well take my life. There's nothing more to do. And God says, Elijah, I want you to go back the journey that you traveled down. I want you to anoint Haziel as king over Aram. I want you to set up for the anointing of Jehu, king over Israel. I want you to anoint Elisha as your uh, successor. And you have a lot of work to do. I'm not done with you yet, Elijah. And so Elijah goes back. We see in chapter 21, that Ahab, who's in his summer palace in Jezreel, day after day he looked out and saw this beautiful, beautiful vineyard of Naboth. And oh, how he wished he had that, that vineyard. And so he decided that he, this day he was going to go over and he was going to propose an offer to Naboth. And he said, Naboth, I'll pay you this amount of money for your vineyard. Or if you like, I will give you a better or give you another piece of property for your property. And Naboth says, Ahab, this has been in my family for generation after generation. I can't do that. And he refused to sell it to Ahab. Ahab went back to the palace, went into his bedroom, turned his face to the wall in the bed, and began to weep and moan and sulk like a spoiled child. And finally, Jezebel comes on the scene. She walks in, sees him there, and she says, What's wrong, big boy? Why aren't you eating? Do you have a tummy ache? And Ahab says, this is no laughing matter, Jezebel. 
You know how I've envied Naboth's vineyard for year after year after year. And today I went over to him and I offered him to pay him for his vineyard or, or give him another piece of property for it. And he said, this has been in my family for generation after generation. And I said, oh, Naboth, I really, really, really want it. And he said, no. And Jezebel says, is that all it's about? Cheer up, big boy. You'll have your vineyard. If you want the vineyard, you're going to have it. And so she goes and she writes a letter to the officers of Jezreel, and they tell the officers, call fast for the whole town, for the whole community. And take Naboth and put him in the very prominent place at the fast. And then get two of the worst scoundrels of the area and have them sit right across from Naboth. And during the fast, have them say, Naboth has cursed God and cursed Ahab, and then take him out and stone him to death. And they take Naboth out, they begin casting stones at him, stones that broke his bones, broke his ribs, and shattered him all over, and finally one individual with a big stone with all his might throws it at Naboth and hits him on the head, breaks his head open, exposing his brains, and Naboth is dead. And Jezebel receives the word from the officers, Naboth is dead. And she goes to Ahab and she says, Ahab, Naboth is dead. Go take his vineyard. And so he goes to the vineyard and God says to Elijah, Elijah, I want you to go and give a message to Naboth in his vineyard. And the message is this, and he goes and he talks to Ahab and he says to Ahab, the dogs that licked up the blood of Naboth are going to lick up your blood. And for Jezebel, the dogs that licked up the blood of Naboth are going to destroy her body. Judgment, payday, was on the way. Ahab has a visit from Jehoshaphat, king of the southern kingdom of Judah. And Ahab says to Jehoshaphat, hey, Jehoshaphat, listen, I think we should take back the property of uh, Remeth Gilead. And I'm not able to do that by myself. Would you go along with your army and help me to do that? And unfortunately, Jehoshaphat said, yes, I'll do that. And Ahab says, listen, they're going to look for me. So you go into battle with your royal robes on. I'm going to put on the attire of a soldier with the armor 
and let's go to battle. And they go into battle, and the captain of the Aram army says, don't fight against anyone except the king of Israel. And the battle begins. And the army sees this man in a chariot with royal robes, and they start after him. And Jehoshaphat cries out, hey, I'm not Ahab, I'm Jehoshaphat. And they stop pursuing him, and the Scripture says, there was a soldier from Aram who took his bow, pulled it back, shot at random, not shooting at anything in particular, but the arrow was directed and guided by God that it pierced him through the armor of his shoulder into his chest, and he sunk down and said to his chariot driver, I'm dying. And as the battle went on during the day, finally, they get the word as the Israelite army that he is dead, and all of the army goes to their homes. And they bury Ahab, and they go to the pool where the prostitutes wash in Jezreel, and they wash the blood out of the chariot of Ahab, and the dogs came, and they licked up his blood. Payday number one. Months passed, a year passed, several years passed, almost ten years passed. And the man that God told Elijah he was to prepare to anoint as king, Jehu became king. And Jehu was a type A personality, a madman, and as he drove his, uh, uh, his chariot toward the walls of Jezreel, they said, here comes uh, Jehu, and he drives furiously like a madman, like a man out of his mind. And God gave a responsibility to Jehu to wipe out the whole army, the whole family of Ahab. Finally, he comes to the wall of Jezreel. And as he stops his horses and chariot and looks up at the window to Jezebel, who had taken all kinds of uh, uh, paint and painted up her face, preparing herself for Jehu to come, whom she thought would say, Oh, Jezebel, you look so beautiful today. But he stops his chariot and he looks up at the window and he says, Who's on my side? Throw her down out of there. And they threw her down and the blood from her body splattered on the wall and as the horses and chariot went over on the legs and the hooves of the horses. Payday number two. You say, but what does that have to do with us today? I want to bring six lessons or truths from this passage of Scripture. 
that the Bible teaches. And the first one is God's Word is authentic, it's authoritative, it's true, and it's inerrant. In Psalm 119, which every verse, 176 verses of Psalm 119, has something to say about God's Word. And in verse 89, it says, Your Word, O God, is settled in heaven. In other words, God's Word is authentic. It is true. Back in the day of Moses, back in the Old Testament, in the book of Numbers, the Israelites asked Moses, how do we know if a prophet is really of God or not? And the answer that was given, if the prophecy comes true, it is of God. If it doesn't, it's not of Him. There are many prophets who write about things of the future. But if they're not God's prophet, they won't come true. And we see in this passage of Scripture that God fulfilled His promise and His uh, uh, prophecy in minute detail. Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never, never pass away. The second truth is, our sin is transparent before God. God, as Psalm 139 says, He knows everything that we do. Before I speak any of these words today, God already knows it. And Jesus said that everything will be disclosed. In the Old Testament, Moses spoke to the Israelites and he says, be sure your sin will find you out. God knows everything that we do, whether it is good or whether it is bad. And we see in the life of Ahab and Jezebel, God knew everything and he brought a payday for that. Another true is our problems, our tragedies, our difficulties are not necessarily a judgment of God upon us. Over the years as a pastor, I've had many individuals say to me during times when they're going through difficulty, I think God is punishing me for whatever, they would say. Take Namath, for instance. What did he do wrong? He had a nice vineyard. He had a nice a luscious garden, and who knows, he may have been one of those 7,000 Israelites that God said to Elijah has not bowed their knee unto Baal. I don't know, because all that we know is he had a garden, and and, uh, Ahab wanted it, and he was stoned to death. Was it because Naboth did something bad? I don't think so. And you may be here this morning and you say, what's happening in my life is because of something God has done, that I have done against God. And that is not necessarily true. 
There is a payday someday. We look at this world in which we live, and we live in a sinful, fallen world. And one day, God is going to say to this world, in all of its evil, that's it. If God would be you and me, we'd have probably done it a long time ago. But the Bible says through the Apostle Peter, God does not count slackness as some men count slackness, but is patient, desiring that all would come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. I don't know when it'll come that God will say, now is the payday, and all of the evil that individuals do throughout the world, that we think they're getting away with it. God will say, payday has come. But a great lesson of what I want to share with you this morning on the cross, sin had its payday in Jesus going to the cross for you and me. Three weeks ago when Pastor Jody brought the message from John chapter 12, in that chapter, John writes, as Jesus says, now is the judgment of this world. Now will the prince of this world be cast out. And if I, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. On the cross of Calvary, your payday and my payday for sin took place. That the Bible tells us we don't have to pay for our sin. It's already been taken care of. All of our sin was covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. And sin, our part is we must confess, be forgiven, and forsake it. Lee Strobel, some of you may have read his wonderful books on the person and work of Jesus Christ and the, the reality that Jesus really lived. Lee Strobel tells a story of preparing a group of individuals for baptism. And he said, the day of our baptism, there's going to be a cross up in the front of the church. And if you have a sin or sins that you want to nail to the cross, because the Bible tells us that all of our sins were nailed to the cross when Jesus died. I want you to take a piece of paper and I want you to write down those sins or sin, and when you come up to be baptized, just pin it to the cross. The week after that, Lee Strobel received a letter from a lady who was baptized. And she said, that morning I wanted to walk out of the church several times. And when it came to write down a sin, I wrote it in the smallest letters that I could and still be legible. 
And the word that I wrote down was abortion. And when it was my turn to come to the front, I was so ashamed, I was so guilt-ridden that I wanted to turn and walk right out the back door. But I came up. And I folded that piece of paper so many times, and I pinned it up to the cross. And when I walked over and went down into the water, and as I was descending into the water, I just felt as if the water was the arms of Jesus reaching out and coming around me. And yet she said, I, I, I still had the fear that somebody was going to read that note with the word abortion, and it would be me that they would know. Or maybe the pastor somehow would get that, and he would announce to the whole congregation, hey, she has had abortion. And she said, as I went under the water, it seemed as if Jesus spoke to me and said, the chain is broken. You don't have to pay for the sin anymore. You don't have to be guilty. Jesus has forgiven you through the, His blood, and you are free. And she said, I write to you today to say, I have never felt so free in my life. I don't know where you are this morning. Maybe you've been a Christian for years, and yet there is something that you still feel false guilt about. We don't have a cross up here. But in your mind, think of a cross and the fact that Jesus had nailed that sin to the cross. In your mind, write it on a piece of paper and pin it to the cross and walk out this morning saying, I'm free. I'm free. There's no more payday for me because Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Lord Jesus, take this message and apply it to our hearts in the way that you desire for your glory. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this morning's message. If you have any comments or questions, feel free to contact us using our online form on our website at kingstreetchurch.com or by calling us here at 717-264-4651 during our regular business hours. Be sure to stop by and see us in person at one of our five Sunday morning services. We look forward to seeing you there.